You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, healthy life, doing well. I'd say so. Last day of the week for you. You all set to move? Uh, you know, some a, a few other things to do. Um, obviously, I got to take down my, my hardware and whatnot that I use for uh, podcasting and, and take apart my desk and, you know, some furniture moving and that kind of thing. But, yeah, mostly yeah, ready to go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You do a podcast? I mean, I, 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 I assume I do. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is my evil twin, and you know. Oh, oh, okay. I, don't know. I was, yeah. I was actually. I'm still. Was, maybe, am I still dreaming or something? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today, I, I don't want to get back into. Uh, I, I really. I, I'm so. I'm, I'm already tired of this vaccine talk. Right. I'm, I'm already sick of it. I think the last two or three of these we've done are been, have been about this vaccine stuff. I'm tired of it already. And what's happening? It's actually it's already starting to to hurt people. It's already we're already seeing it. The FDA yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration, who approves all that stuff in the U.S., they came out yesterday and they said that, of course, we looked at the conflicting reports. Oh, the FDA says everything's fine. And then, oh, yes, the FDA says that the promise in the third phase was was great. And they're looking at the others now to to possibly approve those. But yet, if you go over to the Jerusalem Post, they were saying uh, two people had died in the trials. And the FDA admitted it. Well, it was a little bit more than that. They publicly said last night after we went offline that, in fact, six people have died. And then that's all they said. And then, of course, as of eight hours ago, they've had to resend that statement again and, of course, add to it. So six people at this point, and I'm sure there's probably going to be more that come out later as they get caught. Six people have so far died in the trials. See, this is why you have trials. And four people have developed facial paralysis. You say, okay, well, that's it's a vaccine trial. It, it could have adverse reactions. And the people that sign up for that trial, they're well aware of it. They sign waivers and all that stuff and they get paid and everything. Okay, fine, fine. That's a fair argument to make. However, what concerned me wasn't the fact that, okay, that I mean, that that's bad enough. That's not what concerned me. What concerned me was what they casually mentioned about those people that had facial paralysis. I wish GP was in here. The FDA noted Listen to this. The FDA noted the numerical imbalance of Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy is the one that causes like the um, the facial paralysis, the temporary facial paralysis. It's almost like a stroke where it's, it, it blocks like the nerves or something just sending the messages. Is that, is that how it works? It's basically swelling of the tissue around the, the nerves or the nerves themselves. And it just, you know, it paralyzes the muscles basically mm-hmm. for a short time. Six okay. months, they said, within that time period, six months. With treatment. Um, you'll recover it. No, without treatment. Without six months. Treatment. Yeah, with treatment, it'll, it will can go quicker. I see. Uh, it says here, listen to this. The FDA noted the numerical imbalance of Bell's palsy cases among the vaccine and placebo groups. Let me read that again. The FDA noted the numerical imbalance of Bell's palsy cases among the vaccine and placebo groups. Okay, that sounds all nice and fancy and scientific and all that stuff. Okay, fine. But the the thing that stands out there is the placebo. Placebo is supposed to be that. Placebo is nothing. It's supposed to be at the at most it's supposed to be sugar water. At most. 
saline uh, water when they water, inject right. you. Yeah, salt yeah. water. Salt water. Yeah. Well, sugar pills, but so, placebo. Well, if they give you like a pill, or, yeah, if, yeah, it's yeah. A, if, if it's a pill yeah. trial. If you get a placebo, let me explain. If you get a placebo, it's supposed to be harmless. There's not supposed to be anything in it. So why were they seeing cases of Bell's palsy in the placebo groups? Again, to the bigger point here, this is why you don't rush things. Vaccines are very delicate. You have to be very articulate with them and you have to do them right. And that's not what they've done here. They've all of a sudden created this miracle drug in less than a year. And it's supposed to be this holy grail. The UK is starting to slow things down. We're going to have Marty and a medical professional on tomorrow. We're going to get further into this. I don't want to get too deep into it today, but the UK has started and they have already said that they're going to start slowing things down because of what's happening. They have announced that the UK government today has announced that anyone with serious allergies or allergic reactions to things are to not take the vaccine because of people that have had uh, adverse reactions, severe adverse reactions over the last 48 hours. I woke up this morning. I saw some of the uh, the headlines of the trials that are out there. Of course, they've given it to the health professionals first, and some of their some of them are having severe reactions to it. And so uh, they're saying anyone with uh, severe allergic reactions are to not. Bruce, you're smiling. You're you're. I mean, this is a serious thing. Uh, I, I find it this, funny. This is exactly I what we said would happen. Though. Well, yeah, I find it funny that you can take a vaccine that is going to have severe side effects or at, you know at least you're going to have some you're going to feel like you have the flu for a few days okay that's what happened in majority of people uh, or you can get the actual virus and 80% of the time people do not have any symptoms at all but bruce it has a, a 95% success rate and a and a 100% efficacy rate yeah it um it it has a 90% is what i'm more willing to believe after they include your immune system because one of them said, hey, it's 90%. And then the other one said, oh, no, it's 94%. And the other one said, oh, no, it's 95%. It's like, what, you, you guys are just fighting over who, who gets the yeah, yeah. You know, get trying to one up each other. money. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I don't believe the efficacy of it. The efficacy of getting the virus and surviving is 99 point, what is it? Uh, seven across eight, all age groups. Or seven. Yeah, okay, seven is probably a, a bit of rounding. But, yeah, across all age groups. There you go. So um, that's far better than a vaccine, by the way. Um, just saying. And you're you less actually, likely to get side effects. Statistically, you have a, a higher chance of actually contracting uh, and falling victim to the flu. Statistically, by those numbers, which well, we're going to talk. Uh, dying of the flu. You dying mean, of or, the flu. Yes, or, dying of the flu. It's it's about it's it's about the same as the flu, roughly. Is it the yeah. same? Okay. Well, we'll same, yeah. we won't know until we get this year's flu numbers, anyway. But we'll we'll get to that shortly. Well, actually, that's a good point. This year, the flu virus. I mean, COVID nineteen is leagues ahead of uh, the it death is. rate of, of uh, COVID uh, flu. And there, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Uh, back to the six people that that died that the FDA finally admitted, which <laughs> makes me wonder if there's actually more. As soon as I saw that two people had died in the phase three trials, I thought, no, nah, that's, that's too low. That's too low. And then, of course, four more this morning. And then, of course, they announced the uh, the facial paralysis as a severe side effect. But that's OK. It got approved at lightning speed. Hmm. I want to know how many people got the vaccine, by the way, that, that they're seeing six deaths already. So how many people got the vaccine? You can figure the fatality rate of it. And is it they comparable to the actual... Yeah, exactly. We wanted to know how many people that Pfizer had in the trials when they announced, oh, we've got one here. It's 92.4% or whatever. We wanted to know immediately how many people they had in the trials. And they said, well, we can't release that data. It's confidential. At the same time, the FDA insisted the deaths posed no threat to the safety or effectiveness of the vaccine. Really? 
Six people died in your trials. Four people have Bell's palsy, including the ones in the placebo group. And you have the audacity to come out and say that the FDA, I'm talking, you have the audacity to come out and they say that the deaths pose no threat to the safety or effectiveness of the vaccine. You might be able to pull that off on some Walmart shopper, but that's not what thinking people actually believe. By the way, I'm not demonizing um, people that go to Walmart. Just on a side note, I'm just I'm sorry. You, you go and you start looking around in the afternoons when you're bored at people of Walmart.com. <laughs> you just it's hard to it's hard to ignore. You know, when I actually when I show that website to people over here, they think it's a joke. No, it's very real. That's real. It's <laughs> That's real, real. Believe me. You go to a Walmart. I'm telling you because I've done this. You go to a Walmart in West Virginia at 3 a.m. I'm telling you, you see people in there that you don't see during daylight hours. Um, by the way, uh, the Pfizer vaccine, um, 43,000 participants were in the phase three trials. They have released that now. Oh, they have. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. Of that, uh, none of them experienced anything greater than uh, a headache or fatigue. Oh, really? The most severe symptoms that they had of those tests. Really? OK. When, when was that report released? Because now they're saying now they've admitted that six people have died in their trials and four people have Bell's palsy, including the placebo group. Uh, that was November 18th. November. OK, so safe almost to say, we're, yeah, we're almost a month. The statements were were featured in a 53 page report from the FDA on Tuesday, which, again, this came out last night after we went out after we went off, which detailed the trial by Pfizer and BioNTech back in November, which is the report you're talking about. According to the report, only two people died during the trial that had received the vaccine, which is what we were talking about. While four others listen to what I'm about to say, while four others had received a placebo. Are we paying attention yet? Leading researchers to claim that there was no connection between the deaths and the vaccines. That's why they're saying that there's no chance that that has anything to do with the the actual vaccine. First time I've ever heard. I could be wrong, but this where's GP when I need him. This is the first time I've ever actually heard of someone dying from a placebo, let alone four. So they it's possible they could have died after having the placebo while they were in the test group and they had some other something that they died from. I mean, that's a plausible thing. It may not have been caused by the placebo itself unless we have the autopsy. We don't really know how they. Died. OK, well, if they died, I'll bet they died of COVID-19. If they did, the, if they did the test after they died and they found COVID-19, then yeah, the report notes and I have some of the reports here, the report notes. Uh, let me see. What did you say? 43,448 people enrolled. Is that the right number? Uh, they just said 43,000 participants, okay. which, by the way, they don't list any deaths in this at all. Um, they do. Really? List there was 10 severe cases of COVID-19 observed, none of which occurred in the placebo group, one of which was in the vaccine group. OK, this is the actual uh, I'm looking at the actual report here from the FDA that they've released publicly. Uh, And it says total of six, two vaccine, four placebo of the 43,448 enrolled participants, which breaks down to 0.01 percent, died during the reporting period from April 29th, 2020, which was the first participant and the first visit to November 14th, 2020, which was the cutoff date. Both vaccine recipients were 55 years of age. Uh, excuse me, greater than 55 years of age. One experienced a cardiac arrest 62 days after vaccination. No, uh, number two, uh, after vaccination, number two, and died three days later. Okay, yeah, so he took the second vaccine and he died three days later. He went into cardiac arrest. Uh, okay, so one experienced a cardiac arrest 62, day, 62 days after the second vaccination, so his second round, uh, and died three days later. And the other died from arteriosclerosis. 
Is that where you're... Yeah, okay. Isn't it like a blood clot? Or I think so. Arteria scoliosis, yeah. Yeah, basically it's a... Uh, blood clot. Yeah, more or less, yeah. It's okay. A, it, so, but it's in the heart. It has to do with heart vessels and all yeah, that okay. kind of stuff. All right. So the that. second one... Yeah, so the second one died from that three days after the first vaccination. The placebo recipients died from myocardial inf- infarction. Myocardial infarction. It's another term for a heart attack. So basically, both people died of a heart attack. Okay, died of a heart attack. All right. So uh, let me see. That was one of the uh, placebo recipients. Another placebo recipient died of a hemorrhagic stroke uh, or unknown causes. Three of the four deaths occurred in the older group, which was 55 years of age or older. All deaths represent events that occur in the general population of the age groups where they occurred at a similar rate. So despite all this, what I find fascinating about this The FDA says the vaccine is up to 95% effective after two doses. And the UK started doing this yesterday, and it's already starting to cause some of these things and adverse, severe adverse reactions and allergic reactions. So much so that the the UK government has actually publicly made a statement saying if you have allergic, if you have severe allergies, don't take it. Well, I thought it was supposed to be a cure-all. I thought it was supposed to be your ticket back into society. So what? Let me let me get this straight. If you have severe allergies... You now have to be segregated. You can't operate in society. Is that how that works? Is that how it's going to work? You're going to discriminate based on that now? You know, we have laws on the books to stop this. It's called the Nuremberg Code. Go read it. We tried Nazis for this, for this right here. CNBC, we talked about their headline yesterday. They said that the Pfizer vaccine study participants reported severe symptoms after a second injection. No mention of this. In fact, their quote was one Pfizer trial participant told CNBC that after the second shot, he woke up with chills, shaking so hard that he cracked a tooth and he said it hurt to even lay in his bed sheets. Others experienced headaches and headaches and fatigue. That sounds like the extreme an extreme case of the it does. flu, uh, basically. Yeah, it's kind of flu symptoms. Dr. F- Dr. The sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci has said that uh, the U.S. will start a mass vaccination campaign later this month with the FDA likely to administer the Pfizer vaccine for approval. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so just real quick, (laughs) I kind of have a problem with the Nuremberg Code right off the bat. And second Uh one, the results of any experiment must be for the greater good of society. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Bruce, don't you don't want people to die, do you? Who's the who's the greater good? Who who's Who's defining well, that? Bill Gates clearly is the greater good here. He just wants to help people. Yeah, he, he's trying to save humanity. Otherwise, uh, uh, most of the other stuff I agree with. Yeah, you can even look at the Geneva Convention. Under the Geneva Convention, you can't you can't do uh, medical experimentations on populations. You can't do it. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Uh, you can't do experimentations without first doing uh, previous animal experimentations, uh, according to the. So you, you have to test animals first before you can test uh, uh, humans. But there has to be a voluntary consent uh, to that test. Hmm. Well, see, they're not going to make you do it, but you won't be able to go to X, Y, and Z if you don't get it. Mass vaccination is delayed. This is as of this morning, has been delayed in the U.S., and the U.K. is going to start putting the brakes on it. Of course, what are they saying now? The drug companies are struggling to meet the demand. That's the spin on it. First COVID-19 vaccines that have been handed out in the UK and a pending dr- uh, approval pending in the US. Officials in both countries have been patting themselves on the back. However, their promises of mass vaccination are looking unlikely. Yeah, that's because as more people start to get maimed and harmed by this, you people are going to look really damn stupid as if you already don't. And so you're going to have a backlash unlike anything you've seen before. If you continue this 
And you know, I don't feel I don't feel the least bit sorry for any of you at this point. You brought this on yourselves. You have brought this on yourselves. You are to blame for this. You're going to talk about the carrot and the stick with everyone else about how oh, we're not doing this and we're going to have to shut this down. You're going to turn it back on the people. Well, the people have had enough of you, but I digress. Enough about vaccines. I'm tired of talking about them already, and I'm going to talk about it again tomorrow, and I'm sick of it. All right, uh, Bruce, do you know where you're most likely to come down with COVID-19? Do you know where you're most likely to get it? Um, yeah, from New York. Why New York? Mm. Well, clearly, that's that's where the worst cases were in the U.S., right? So it's clearly New York and Michigan and New Jersey. No, I'm, I'm being facetious. Well, New York, um, I mean, they got, a, they got a hit harder than anywhere else in the world, but they did it right. They did it right. Yes, by, by killing their old people. Yeah. Well, I mean, Governor Cuomo has been given awards and, and he's been patted on the back. Hell, he even wrote a book about it, uh, about his leadership during uh, during this crisis. Was he nominated for like an Emmy or something? Em, like yes, that? the yeah. International Emmy Founders Award. And he got it. And he got it. Oh, he got it too. Yeah, I forgot about he that. He did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, honestly, seriously, it's probably the normal rhetoric uh in enclosed indoors uh, something on those lines is probably what what it is well for months they've been telling us that yeah they, they've made it clear that avoiding crowded places especially indoor crowded places is key to keeping you safe right that's what they've been saying but they're saying that the cases are continuing to go up huh health officials are now saying that it's not just large gatherings or events that are at high risk in fact dr burks you know the scarf lady she says that small indoor gatherings without masks are where you're most likely to get COVID during this okay. phase, during this phase of the pandemic. Okay. So here's the thing, Burks, and I'm not even going to give you the pleasure of saying you're a doctor. Congratulations, you are. But at this point, um, I think you're a mad scientist. You realize that the entirety of the United States has over a 90% compliance to mask wearing. Over 90% nationwide. It is literally that high. Wow. And yet... The the cities, this, the blue cities that are locked down right now have the highest mass compliance of the entire nation. I mean, we're talking 95, 97%. And do you know where the greatest cases of COVID-19 are? In those very same cities with the most strict lockdowns and the most mass compliance. So at this point, you guys have instituted martial law. You're telling businesses you can't open. You're illegally uh, confiscating businesses, basically, um, imminent domaining business uh, at this point. You know what? No. Uh, at this point, um, I'm all for Americans. You need to open up. It's time for you to open up. Now, to be fair on my statistics, um, if you look at the individual cities, that's what it's at. But when you go to the actual like state level, statewide, obviously you have rural areas and the rural areas don't follow it. So it's more in the uh, 85 to 90%, uh, 97% range uh, when you look at it from a state level. But if you're looking at like the major blue cities, uh, the major hubs of, of the population centers, they're 95 or higher. So clearly, clearly masks work. It clearly would be a lot worse than it is. I mean, we would have millions dying in the street because, uh, you know, if they wouldn't have been wearing masks. Clearly masks have been doing something, right? Clearly. Don't you think that if this that this is an interesting point you bring up there, you, you say if you didn't have masks, people would be dying all over the place, right? That, I mean, that's the argument that that would be posed. That's the argument that would be posed by her or one of these crackpot, lunatic, sorcery, witch doctor idiots, right? My question is this. African countries. Why are we not seeing mass death across the entire continent of Africa? Might be a little something there, don't you think? Why aren't we being told uh, about that? 
If it was happening, believe me, if it was happening, they would show it. They would show it. Well, uh, I mean, surely they have, you know, mask wearing over there. And, you know, clearly they, they must be doing something right over there. Or maybe it's exactly what we've been talking about from the beginning of this or, or in the early days of this. Over in Africa, they're already on hydroxychloroquine because of um, malaria and, and, you know, the other diseases they deal with. They handed the out by the handfuls. Yeah, it's over the counter there. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. You know, of course, maybe it also has something to do with the fact that it yeah, they get a little bit more sunlight year round there than it was. You know. It was actually hydroxychloroquine was actually over the counter in France. You could just go in and buy it. I mean, it cost almost nothing. It was like, I don't know, two, three dollars a box or two, three euros a box. And a few months before this, they pulled it off all no, the shelves in France. I think it was February is when they pulled it off. It was like was January, February. February. Uh, January, yeah. February. They pulled it off. Right before it got real bad, they pulled it off and they reclassified it to a dangerous toxin. Yep. It requires a prescription now. If this is not a crime against humanity, I don't know what is. While appearing at a video conference on December 8th, so yesterday, Dr. Burks expressed concern that the recent spike in cases has come from the result of the public. See, it's your fault. It's your fault. Not taking intimate gatherings as seriously as large public events. Unfortunately... Such meetups are often instances in which people aren't following basic safety measures due to their comfort level. See, you can't have you can't have any comfort level anymore. You've got to step outside of that comfort level, making them particularly risky as a result. I'm quoting here. We're seeing transmission moving from public spaces into private spaces as people gather on masks. See, they need a precedent now to come into your home and drag you out of it. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, you're laughing. You're laughing. No, That's exactly not, what they're no. doing here. No, no, I'm not laughing about that. I'm, I'm smiling because please come in and try to do that. Please do. I am itching for a fight. Please. She goes on to say, so we know, see, they know, we know masks work. No, you don't. You know, they don't work. I think you missed a little, you, you missed a little bit of a, uh, a contraction in there. There's a difference between they do work and they don't work. So there, there's a little bit of a difference in there. We do know that masks work. No, you don't. How about you actually take a look at the study that came from Denmark, lady? How about you do that? Can you do that? No, you can't do that because that would make you look too stupid, wouldn't it? Or maybe help it get peer reviewed. I mean, maybe, you know, go through the process Something. of peer reviewing it. That'd you be would think you would think that one of these high priced uh, experts like that, that are so key in, in all of the procedures on all this on a national scale, you would think that they would be jumping at the chance to look at that, uh, that study that lives. they did. You have to if you allow this research to get out there and you don't disprove it immediately, people are going to die because they're going to not wear masks. So you have to disprove it immediately. We have to get into this physical distance. I'm still quoting here. Physical distancing works. No, it doesn't. That's not what that is. That's some crackpot theory that's come up by a 14 year old that was passed by a friend of the Bush administration. On top of that, do you want to know what it's really about? I'll tell you what it's really about. It's about training you to get ready for biometric identification because the system actually can't target you unless you are one and a half to two meters away from someone else. It can't recognize you. You know how you're supposed to cough into your arm? Do you know what else is is prominent among Zoomers that you could just write it off as, you know, to, to fool the identification stuff? You know, you're supposed to cough into the um, joint of your elbow there. Um, just put your other arm back and now you're dabbing. So there you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if, Zoomer joke. She says, if we don't change how we gather... 
will continue to have this surge across the country. They know that flu season's coming up, right? That's that's the time it's coming, right? It's coming right now. This is the time. This is the flu season. This is the cold and flu season. What did, I, what did I say back in June? Bruce, you remember what I said. I said, you wait. I said the second wave that they're going to claim is the cold and flu season, the regular cold and flu season. And right on cue, it, here it is. Here it is. And it just so happens we have fantastically accurate um, PCR tests we do. that will tell you that you have COVID-19 when you actually have the flu. Um, by the way, uh, I... Uh, <laughs> I was watching another podcast that um, they had viewers calling into their health officials and the state health level. Um, they were asking them, "Hey, what's the um, what's the uh, magnification cycle rate? I believe is the term uh, for your for your uh, testing." You know, and most of them don't know. Now, for those of you who don't, may not remember, uh, typically what you're supposed to do for COVID nineteen is it's a thirty cycle, which means you zoom, zoom in thirty times, right? What we're doing is 40 times. That's where you're getting the dead artifacts or the bits of the virus. And in other words, you're not contagious. Or if you've had a cold or a flu in recent times of some kind, which every time you're exposed to, which, by the way, a coronavirus is a cold virus or a flu virus. It's the same comes from the same family. If you're exposed to any of these things, do you know how many times you're actually exposed to a coronavirus and you don't actually contract something such as the cold or flu? That's the thing is uh, the, when it says artifacts, when it says bits of virus, that could literally be from the flu or from like it could be another coronavirus, not COVID-19. Overinflated numbers. She also pointed out that the current surge isn't even yet showing the full effects of the anticipated Thanksgiving spike. See, the worst is yet to come, Bruce. Worst is yet to come. Noting that wait, the wait, true. Wait. She said that we're not seeing the spikes that we're anticipating from Thanksgiving. She says the current surge isn't yet showing the full effects of the anticipated Thanksgiving spike. Okay, so what they're saying is they were expecting a hockey stick, and it's not a hockey stick. It's just kind of normal increase of flu season. it's It's a stick. Noting that the true impact won't be felt for another week or up to 10 days. Um, so during this entire pandemic, two weeks was the delay we were expecting for positive uh, infection rates to be Hence, reported, right? 14 days to flatten the curve. Yes. And then on top of that, another uh, two weeks on top of that for death reports. So uh, death reports are four weeks behind. Uh, case numbers are two weeks behind. How long ago was Thanksgiving now? Uh, how, how long are we looking here? About a week. No, no, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we're coming up on two weeks. two weeks. Tomorrow will be two weeks. Well, now, see, here's so, the thing. Here, here's the important thing that you need to remember as a concerned as a concerned person out there. She reminded the public to remain aware of how much asymptomatic spread there is, warning that you can't tell if your grandchild, your nephew, your niece, whether they're infected or not. You can't tell. Now she's being hyperbolic and lying to oh, the yeah. populace. See? Every it's about, single virus. It's about making you. Yeah. It's about making you the terrorist. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk over you. You know, you're good. Asymptomatic, you don't spread. This is this is law for viruses. This is something we established before COVID-19. When you're asymptomatic, you don't spread it, period. That's just the way it works. So why is this one different when it's no different than any other virus? The, the only difference for this virus is uh, the targeting receptors is from a completely different uh, subgroup of viruses, HIV, right? That, that's the targeting um, uh, spike proteins. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Bruce, I do have a bit of good news here at the uh, the end of this. They do list all 50 states 
and they they say click here to check this list and i thought yeah why not why not because we like lists here we like going down through things this is how bad the covid outbreak is in your state based on the rate of daily new coronavirus cases here's how your state is faring so what state should we do should we start with oklahoma and ohio obviously that's where we come from so all right oh uh, yeah they're alphabetical order okay ohio you got 64.8 daily new cases per 100,000 so you're in the red yeah, you're, you're bleeding red up there, not doing what you need to do. Oklahoma, 70.3 daily new cases per 100,000. See, you're in the red too, Bruce. You guys aren't doing what you need to do down there. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find the numbers for, uh, uh, unfortunately, this is, it, it makes it, because of all the stuff going on right now, it's difficult to find information that you want to find. But I'm looking for the flu numbers uh, for 2018 positive rates. Let's see here. What I find interesting about this Every single state is red by their color coding, right? Obviously, I think uh, orange and uh, a couple other ones. Some of the, okay, yellow, orange, red, right? That's the Governor Cuomo thing. I mean, he, he did the yellow, orange, red. So some of these, okay, so like uh, Hawaii, that's yellow. Of course, it'll be red because the California state legislature was just there on a uh, luxury um, getaway for a conference. Maine is orange, Vermont is orange, and every other state is red. So they're saying there's uh, under 3,000, about 2,500 new cases in Oklahoma is what they're saying here. Mm -hmm. um, what was the rate they were saying for Ohio? Was it 40? That was daily. That, that was daily. Daily. Okay. So Ohio is 64.8 daily new cases per 100,000. So And Ohio's got say. like 7 million people. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, but I don't think Oklahoma has anywhere near that number of residents. Uh, we have we have four million. Uh, looks like Ohio has almost twelve million. Is it twelve now? My God, it's it's eleven uh, eleven six eleven seven. So I just rounded up. I rounded up on Oklahoma too, about the same amount. So of course we also have undocumented. Um, you know, we do. Your rates triple, by the way. What's that? Ohio's like almost triple. Yeah. Uh, the the infection rate. Yeah. Well, Bruce, it's out of control. It's burning red hot up there. The governor said so. They've never seen anything like um, this before. People are dying all over the place. But they're not. The, but they're not. But the governor said so. So and the media is saying so. So you have to you have to follow it. Uh, there's a curfew in Ohio too, by the way. No one's following it, but uh, it's there. I thought just out of curiosity because we've been hearing this that the, and we've looked up some reports here and there about uh, the flu number. So I thought, why not? Right. I would humor myself. So I went walking over to the CDC's own website today, and I pulled the information myself. Usually I leave this to you, Bruce. I'm like, hey, and when you get time, pull these numbers from the CDC. But I thought, all right, I'll do it myself. And I did. And I went to their uh, influenza section, and they talk about the seasonal flu. And the burden of influenza is how they classify it, which it is quite a burden. I would argue that COVID-19 is quite a burden as well. The 2019-2020 U.S. flu season preliminary in-season burden estimates. Okay, so at the beginning of this, they estimate that between October 1st, 2019 through April 4th of 2020, there have been approximately, they estimate that there have been between 39 million and 56 million flu illnesses. So you see that almost 60 million people contract the flu every year, according to their estimates. This is nationwide. Yes. Six, six, 60, 60 million. They estimate, this is just their estimate, they estimate that between 18 million and 26 million actually go to a medical facility to get checked out for flu 
symptoms. So and then again, let me, let me get this straight. Just, uh-huh. just so I'm on the same page here. The literal global rate currently, the global recorded global cases is 68 million. So literally, we have that many in the United States alone for influenza every year. Well, I'm, and I'm trying to double check this. It says here, um, it says because influenza surveillance does not capture all cases of flu that occur in the U.S., the CDC. OK, so this this might be the world. The CDC provides these estimated ranges to better reflect the larger burden of influenza. These estimates are calculated based on the CDC's weekly influenza surveillance data and are preliminary. OK, so this is this is them guesstimating roughly yes. 60 million in the U.S. get it yearly. Yes. Uh, by guesstimation. OK, Correct. so um, in and other they words, say- they say maybe about half of that, if you're lucky, about half of that will actually go to a medical facility at the top end. We'll go to the medical facility to to get checked out for it. But that doesn't mean you'll have that many that are hospitalized for it. The hospitalizations, they say that they estimate are between 410,000 and 740,000. And of those, of those, you'll see anywhere between 24,000 and 62,000 flu deaths per year. So, okay, okay. Basically, according to the CDC, typically during a flu season, right, which spans October um, through basically April. The, basically in that range, yeah. Um, uh, we, we have about 34,000 people, 35,000 people die on average uh, from influenza-like That's symptoms. Actually, that actually splits about the difference, yeah. So they estimate yeah. between 24,000 and 62,000 annually. So... Um, basically what they're saying is, um, the U S has the case of the flu. Well, yes and no, because I'm looking at, again, these are the estimates the, I'm on the CDC's website. This is their data that I'm calling out here and I'm reading directly from it. It says the CDC estimates that from October 1st, 2019 through April 4th of 2020, there have been, and then of course I, I just listed off all the, all the numbers. All right. So this part right here led me to believe because the cutoff date there is April 4th of 2020, right? That was the end point. That was the cutoff date. They, they just put this little tiny disclaimer in there right after this. And it says that just, I mean, just this little thing, I'm sure that it's sheer coincidence. I'm sure it has nothing to do with anything else. It says, note, on April 4th, 2020 was the last week in season preliminary burden estimates were provided. The estimates below are not the final 2019-2020 cumulative season burden estimates. The preliminary cumulative burden estimates for the 2019-2020 season have been released and are available. And of course, they list where those are available. You can go and check that out. In-season preliminary burden estimates are scheduled to resume for the 2020 and 2021 season this winter. Okay, you think, all right, there's not much to not much to go off of that. But a few days ago, they updated it and they put it there. This says update as of December 3rd, 2020. The model used, now listen to this, the model used to generate influenza in-season preliminary burden estimates uses current season flu hospitalization data. All right, fair enough. Last sentence of that section. Reported flu hospitalizations are too low at this time to generate an estimate. Hospitals are empty. Empty for influenza. Of course. But obviously they're all there for COVID-19. We've cured the flu. We have. Um, but And cancer. We've also cured cancer as well. And suicides. And suicides. Yeah. And car accidents. Yeah. 
Yeah. Motorcycle accidents. All all, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's all gone. All, I mean, yep. record low numbers. Record low numbers. It's fascinating. I thought that was a nice little tidbit direct from the CDC. You counting, Bruce? Yeah, I, I had to count my fingers. Uh, um, usually you have five on one hand and you have five on another, usually. Y- yeah, yeah. I was just making sure I still had them all, you know, packing and everything. I, I just making sure I didn't. Uh, uh-huh. No. Um, Were you slicing so some garlic like Alex Jones and then you cut off your fingers and put them <laughs> in the skillet? Um, uh, so basically... It, we're looking at roughly 10,000 deaths on average during a month for um, influenza on average, right? That, that's about what we see monthly through the seasons because the seasons are only six to seven months. So rough estimate, we'll say 10,000. Okay. Isn't that pretty similar to what we're seeing right now um, with uh, COVID? I would argue it's actually lower, but... Well, here, let me... let me, Yeah, yeah, about that. The, about the same. About the same. The, the the statistics, when I when I looked this up before and looked at the statistics, uh, when you compare it to 2018 deaths, overall deaths, not not just influenza, not just what, you know, all deaths. When you look at and compare it, we're actually on track with 2018. We're, we're on the same, like yeah. it's the same. There isn't an increase. There There's a slight difference. Like we're talking like one or 2% difference, but it, it's it's negligible. Uh, the difference. Now, I know that sounds bad when you're talking about number of people that died. I, I get it. People died. But, but I'm, yeah, I'm but, just looking at numbers. To, yeah, but you know, we, were shut, we weren't shutting down society in 2018 like this over, over the flu. We weren't doing it. Right, right. And we weren't also causing things like strep throat and other uh, pneumonia and whatnot by wearing you know, masks, you know, masks. And we weren't whacking people up with, with vaccines that are killing and maiming people already in the first 48 hours. Right. Um, just as a side note, a little, little fun thing for you. Ohio, the state of Ohio has a 93%, um, mask compliance. Shame on you people. I'm, I'm disappointed in you. I'm, I'm disappointed. No, no. Keep in mind. Fauci said in the beginning, it, when, when they started doing the mask mandates, he said, if we can get the United States to do an 80%, 80% mask compliance, we will completely annihilate this virus. It will go away. You know what the lowest mask compliance is? Wyoming, statewide. Wyoming is the lowest compliance, 80.24%. Just a little fun tidbit for you. Oh, and by the way, uh, the head of the CDC says that masks are more effective than a vaccine. So. Have you seen the new ones? Have you seen the, the new people that are out there doing this? The new, uh, uh, the new crazy lunatic woke ones. They're actually taping the mask around so they get a better seal. That's actually what health officials do when you have a the N ninety the N ninety five ones the 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 really good ones. You're actually supposed to put a tape around uh, so that you get a perfect seal on the mask. Um, that's actually what you're supposed to do as, as health officials. Um, but that's for N95 masks. That's for the really high end medical grade masks that they replace every 10 minutes to four hours. The, the little paper cloth masks that you guys are wearing and, and doing that stuff. Um, no, doesn't, doesn't work. I like the, I like the sham wow one. Have you seen the sham wow one? I haven't seen the ShamWow. Yeah, I haven't no. seen that. Uh, it oh, fo- it forms like this. Yeah, it forms like this big seal. It's like one of those big ones like this, right? Like a whole, you know, it comes down like up under the eyes. And uh, it says, nothing can get in or out of this mask. That, um, that, that's that, um, if If you can't get anything in or out of that mask, then you suffocate. Do, yeah. Do, do you know um, how 
problematic that is. Do we still have that charge for masks? You know, I didn't want to talk about all that COVID stuff today. I really don't. I'm so sorry. I'm, t- I'm so sick of it, man. I'm so tired of it. I- I'm just, I- I'm tired. Of it. Can't we just talk about like the new normal? It's not going can't away. we just, oh, can't, can't we just talk about like, uh, I-, I don't know. Uh, can't, can't we go back to like talking about uh, uh, f- the Washington football team or something? Isn't that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? Yeah. Yeah. There's still the Redskins. Just saying. Oh, one of the guys, I guess, on the commentary the other day actually made a mistake and almost said it on on live TV. He almost said it and he actually had to back up on it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we talked yesterday a little bit about some of the stuff we were going to spend some time on today. And if, unfortunately, we've kind of run a little bit low on time because we kept going on and on about all that other stuff. I wasn't wanting to spend that much time on it. But for the last couple of years here, we've been screaming about communist China and how much of a danger that is, and no one seems to be getting it until now. I think people are starting to understand it now. And the reason that I think people are starting to get it now is because of what is circulating. And when I say circulating, we just had a presidential election, right? We all know that Trump has not been the uh, the best friend in the world to China, and he's been actually tough on China. And there's a reason that we're seeing the agenda that we're seeing towards Trump. And one would think that you actually have um, some uh, some allies here in uh, in the West for the Chinese Communist Party, maybe, maybe based on the uh, the actions that a lot of them are taking and a lot of the agendas. I mean, you'd almost think that they were uniformly being deployed, almost. You know, I made the comparison the other day about the blue states in the U.S., the blue cities in the U.S., and a lot of these European countries. They all seem to be taking the same steps. Almost exactly. And more than that, they all seem to be saying exactly the same thing. Of course, you wouldn't know that if you're in either one of these countries, because, I mean, why would you pay attention to that? If you're in the U.S., why would you pay attention to French news? Why would you pay attention to Spanish news, Italian news, German news, Dutch news? Why would you pay attention to that? I'm sure some people do, but, you know, I've always seen that statistic. Less than 4% of America actually pays attention to what happens in the rest of the world. I've never been one of those people. Yeah, it boggles my mind. I've never been one of those people. I've always been in that less than 4% that actually gives a damn about what happens in the rest of the world. Do you even know what's happening in Australia right now? Do you know that China's been open for business for months? No, you wouldn't know that, would you? And vice versa. Doesn't just work one way. I'm sitting here bashing on my own country, but it works the other way too. The biggest gripe that I get from a lot of Germans is we have no idea what's going on in the US. All they know is Trump's uh, Trump's evil. He's a dictator. He's racist. He's Hitler. That's all they hear. So why would you actually pay attention to it? Same thing with Canada. When you deal with the, uh, you know, I know we have got, I know we've got Canadian listeners. When you talk about the uh, the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro, I mean, Justin Trudeau, sorry. He actually is, by the way. Why would you pay attention to these things? When you look a little deeper and you do the kind of stuff that, that we do, and we sit here and we dig through the stuff all day, every day. Well, not all day, but uh, we dig through the stuff uh, quite often. And it... <laughs> Some days it, you just got to step away from it, and some days we do. But they all seem to be doing the same thing. Now, are they working with each other? Why would the German government be working with the government of New York? Makes no sense, right? Why would the uh, the government, the state government of California, be working with the government of Italy, right? When it comes to agendas and talking points and uh, and and implementation of COVID restrictions, doesn't make any sense, right? Well, they're allies, so clearly, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't make any sense. You wouldn't put that puzzle piece together. I mean, the average person certainly wouldn't do that. So the question is, if they're not coordinating with each other, well, then they have to be coordinating somewhere else, don't they? They have to be getting that talking point. They have to be getting that agenda from somewhere else. What's been the primary boogeyman for the last four years? Anybody know? Show of hands. 
Russia, maybe? You see, the talking point over here on the mainland of Europe now seems to be that. We're worried about a Russian war. We're worried about Russia in, uh, getting involved in, uh, in the, things that, the steps that we take here. As a matter of fact, sanctions are now going back and forth. Why with Russia? They all seem to be saying, again, they all seem to be saying the same thing. What's the one nation that we're not hearing anything about? For months, we've heard nothing about it. Where did this coronavirus actually originate in the first place? Does anybody even know? Do you even know at this point? Do you even remember? All the well, disinformation. It, it was bat soup, right? Oh, yes, right. All the disinformation, uh, all of the, the mix-ups and tying you up and, and getting you all crazy and hysterical in your own countries against your own people distracts you from the larger agenda, doesn't it? And that's China. I mean, you turn on any mainstream news network, any of them, any of them, watch them for, I don't know, flip back and forth between them for two to four hours and tell me how many times you hear any of them mention anything about China. They don't unless it's in a positive light. You know, I flipped on last night for the first time. I flipped on live coverage of NTD News. NTD News is an independent news organization in the United States, just like One American News, just like uh, Newsmax, that kind of stuff. And what I found was absolutely shocking. They're calling out the Chinese Communist Party left and right. One American News does pretty much the same thing. Newsmax does near about the same thing. But yet the mainstream corporate news doesn't do that with rare exception. And the one person that I actually have to give credit to in this case, and I think a lot of people do, as much as I bash the network that he's on, and believe me, there's plenty to bash there, he himself has been dead on accurate on a lot of his reporting, and he does fantastic work. And that's Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Now, I've made my stance on Fox News here clear. Bruce has made his stance on Fox News clear, and everybody else. We don't like the network. Same thing with Marty. He's made his stance clear. It's a Rupert Murdoch outfit or his kids run it now, and they're disgusting wives. They're shameful. But again, that's got nothing to do with Carlson at the moment. It's about what he presented a couple of nights ago, and it's circulating. And I want to I want to play it here now. There is going to be someone speaking uh, Chinese, uh, Mandarin. So, I mean, we're, we'll basically, we'll do a paraphrasing, uh, but it, you get the idea uh, once, we, uh, once we paraphrase it. But more or less, the report that he lays out here pretty much confirms what we've been screaming about for the last couple of years. What's the name of the video, Tucker Carlson, like the, the clip? Because maybe people can go on YouTube yeah, and, yeah, and okay. if they want to watch it themselves, they could. Uh -huh. The name of it is called Our Elites Have Been Working on Behalf of China. And I think that is pretty accurate. But let's hear what he's got. Many of the very people who ranted so hysterically about Russia were, even as they were doing it, even as they were yelling about Vladimir Putin, in fact, they were doing precisely what they claimed to decry. They were working on behalf of a foreign power, our chief global rival, the government of China. The Russia hoax effectively was a diversion. It hid something that is not a hoax at all, but it is real and threatening to all of us. We're going to spend the foreseeable future reporting on the relationship between America's political and financial elites and the communist government of China that has made many of them very rich. But we want to start tonight with the evidence, with a remarkable video. This video was recorded a little over a week ago on November 28th. The man you're about to see speak is a professor from Beijing called Di Dong Cheng. The video comes from an appearance that he made on a Chinese television show about Wall Street and international trade. Di Dong Sheng works at Renmin University in Beijing. He is also, like so many in academia in China, a servant of his country's government. 
This video was deleted from Chinese social media soon after being uploaded, and there's a reason for that, as you'll see. 为什么以前一九九二年到二零一六年之间中美之间各种问题都能搞得定是不是大家发现没有所有的危机不管是银河号事件还是炸大使馆还是撞了飞机所有事情全部是床头吵架床尾和两个月之内搞定什么原因啊
The problem came when Donald Trump was elected. After that, he says, everything changed. 我前面讲过，华尔街在一九七零年代开始对美国它的内政外交有非常强的影响力啊，所以我们有路径依赖，是吧？但问题是，零八年之后，华尔街的地位下降了，更重要的是，一六年之后，华尔街搞不进特朗
Earlier this year, the chairman of Harvard's chemistry department was arrested for taking $50,000 a month from the Communist Party of China in return for sending secrets and referring top scientists to Beijing. It barely rated as a scandal. You may not even be aware it happened. Why? Because so many are on the take, in effect. Donald Trump was an impediment to this very lucrative arrangement. And for that reason, Di Zhongsheng explains in the video, America's most powerful elites, and he calls them that, got to work on electing a new president. Again, read the words at the bottom of your screen as he speaks. What he says there, just quickly, what he says there, he says, but now we're seeing that Biden was elected and the crowd laughs. He says, but now you're seeing that the traditional elite, the political elite, the establishment is now back in power in D.C. He says now they're very close to Wall Street. So again, that reestablishes their, their connection there. They're able to then apply more pressure and leverage. But then he goes on to say there about Hunter Biden, laptop scandal. Anybody remember that yet? He talks about Hunter Biden, and he's making claims to Trump that are making allegations toward Hunter Biden about his global business dealings. And Shen says, well, there's a lot of deals in all of these. And he says, and how do you think he got those deals? As he's smiling. Oh, Donald Trump, he notes, because the Chinese do pay close attention to what we say here. Donald Trump has complained about Hunter Biden and his ties to the Chinese government. Those are real, he just confirms. So now you know why you weren't allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop, why big business aligned as one, the tech companies and the rest, to suppress that story because they were implicated in it. Back in October, we interviewed a man called Tony Bobolinsky. We interviewed him because no one else would. Tony Bobolinsky was a business partner of the Bidens. Here's what he told us about China. And in a document that you guys have, and uh, I think it's been provided to, you know, to the world, the Chinese referenced that because of their trust in uh, the Biden family, that Chairman Yi and Director Zhang are uh, excited about moving forward in this. And in that document, they referenced loaning $5 million to the BD family. Right. The BD family is the Biden family. What are the implications of this going forward? If Joe Biden is elected president, which could very well happen. How does this constrain his ability to deal with China? Are you asking for my personal I opinion? I am. I'm asking for your opinion as someone who's worked with the Chinese. So I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised. I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised with China. Looks like he was right about that. And it looks like the Bidens are far from the only ones who've been compromised. Again, I've made my stance on Fox News quite clear. I, uh, I think they're a, uh, a horrible, horrible network. But his reporting of this particular thing, uh, he knocked it out of the park. And so that's why we had to play it. And that's why we ran over. And that's why we had to cover it. Again, this, uh, th this kind of corroborates everything that uh, everything we've been saying over the last several months. So I'm asking again, and I'm not speaking just to the United States here, because clearly it's larger than that. Where's this agenda coming from? It's not coming from your national governments. 
I think that's pretty clear at this point, don't you? I know we got French listeners. I know what's happening in your country over there right now. I know we have German listeners. I know what's going on here. I know we have English listeners, Dutch, Italian, Spanish, all the same agendas happening everywhere. United States, Canada, all seems to be the same. And so I'm asking, I'm asking the question, is it really your national governments that are making these decisions of their own accord after what you just heard? We're out of time. For those of you who have not and you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, and your upvotes. You can follow me over there at janderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it on social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that as well. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could per Bruce's request, give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you can rate a podcast on. We would appreciate that as well. Bruce, thank you for your time tonight. And I will see you on Monday. Is that is that right? So you're gone for the next two days? Yep, I'm gone. Be, be okay. moving. All right. I will be back tomorrow with Marty and a very special guest. And we are going to talk uh, the UK side of things. And we're going to talk I believe, as much as I don't want to, I believe we're going to be talking uh, more vaccine stuff tomorrow, I think, because we're going to have a very special guest on who is a medical professional, uh, and I'm sure that that's what he's going to want to get into. So be sure to check us out tomorrow. Thank you for your time tonight, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening, because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence, and together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.